You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. And we're back with an all-new episode of Keep It Plus, which just launched today. Oh, with all our... uh, The whole archives are being brought out. (laughs) Make sure you subscribe. Yes, every accent I've ever done, right there, right there, right there for people to see. How would those be labeled? Like, Australian but sounds Jamaican. Did you watch any of Disney Plus yet? No, actually. Though I am obsessed, I think we brought this up before, with the weird old archive stuff that have come up. I mean, how many Herbie movies are there? Herbie rides again. Yeah. Herbie fully loaded. Herbie has a gun this time. (laughs) (laughs) Herbie is wasted at Woodstock. Uh, It was really just a reminder of how high everyone at Disney was truly in the 60s and 70s. Right, yeah. It's one the, of these movies. It's the time between Walt dying and Eisner taking over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was the wild, wild west. We got the rescuers out of it. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. We uh, got Songs of the South. That's a little older. Um, mm. well. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go back and see what all the hullabaloo was about. Right, <laughs> because you didn't get to watch a lot of this. Uh-uh, no. Yeah. I, it's definitely, is it, it's not going to come out on Disney Plus, is it? The, the That's, I think, literally the one movie that I think won't be. Yeah. Songs of the South? Yeah. And no. Peter Pan with that scene deleted. Mm. The one that was really offensive to Native Americans. Oh, r- probably. I probably. hope that's and, and probably, you know, not the... Um, Blackface Jim Crow unicorn that in was what? Fantasia. Oh no. Yep, deleted scenes. Yeah. Delete <laughs> what was the first Disney movie scenes. you ever saw? Uh first Disney movie I ever saw. Do you remember the Disney original? Like the DCOMs? Yeah, sure. I think those were my first the DCOMs were my first, and then I had to go back, and I think Lion King might have been. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I so know. I mean, like, did you see Brink? Is about, that the ice skating one? Yeah, with... uh, uh, ska- uh, s- roller skating. Roller rollerblading. Oh, I don't roller. remember that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like Johnny Tsunami, mm-hmm. do you remember that? Mm-hmm. That was my shit. Got yeah, it. I'm I'm ready for like a Luck of the Irish, oh, a little smart my. house moment. The first thing I fired up last night was Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Oh sure, yes. It was. But even when kid, it, it's from that era when even kids' songs sounded like they were written on cocaine. Yes, you know. Yes, and I watched. I have not watched The Mandalorian yet, which I I feel bad as a Star Wars fan, but I watched. High School Musical, the musical, the show. Right, we did that in high school. Yeah, we did that. I loved it. Yeah, it was amazing. Well, this show is about a drama teacher at a new school who is putting on High School Musical, the musical, because the school where (laughs) High School Musical was shot at is that school, but they've never done a production of it, and they're the kids who are like, it's very like the. The office meets Glee because, like, they talk to the camera. They're being interviewed. Is it soft scripted or is it just reality? It's scripted. It's totally scripted. It's, yeah. The next thing is going to be a movie about the teacher who right. made the play at the school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> True lunacy, but it's a, it's it's a little funny. So okay, oh, it is funny. Yeah. Uh, I uh, am so baffled by the concept, but I will allow myself the time to sit in front. How of it. How much is Disney Plus? 
It is six ninety nine a month okay. or sixty nine ninety nine a year. Doable. A lot of six nines. I know. Um, <laughs> Daring. Yeah, and it, it's not like Apple TV where they're like, "Here, just take it." <laughs> <laughs> your, please watch it. <laughs> your phone is full of Jennifer Aniston, whether you like it or not, <laughs> and plenty of smart water. Right. Yeah. Is she still on that kick? She's still doing smart water. I feel like she's still doing smart yeah, water. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know. Just, uh, Single and thriving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With yeah. hair that's shaped like parentheses, yep. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, we have got a very exciting show. We are going to be joined by Hunter V. Harris <laughs> from Twitter and Vulture, but mostly from Twitter. If I think if the vul- if Vulture.com had a Vulturess, it would be Hunter Harris. Mm, yeah, she, she took it over from... Cal Buchanan. That's right. That's yes, right. Yes. 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 Slain vulturist <laughs> Cal Buchanan <laughs> left and now Hunter reigns supreme. And she's the one who teaches us to be sexually excited by things like the new Little Women movie. Yes. Of course. Of and give course. us a new hot take on succession every week. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 Yes. yes. Important. But, I mean, I feel like that's why I love her so much, you know, because, you know, I'm a former vulturess. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that brief period in my life. Uh, I feel like everyone becomes a Vulture cast member. Right, right. <laughs> like yeah. ER. Yeah. You'll join Vulture in season 27, I Hopefully. <laughs> we'll see what spin I can bring to the show. Also, billionaires are up to no good. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about them and all their money that I don't have. Maybe I'll pick a favorite billionaire. There I'm, aren't that many to pick from, to be honest. Yeah. There's a few. Yeah. I'm, I've got billionaire friends. Oh, all right. Yeah. The Billionaire Boys Club, if you will. And I won't. <laughs> My favorite billionaire is the dead Coke brother. Oh, because he, he can't do no more. Huh? Yeah, because he's mm. done. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then we're going to talk about poor little Aubrey oh. getting booed off stage at it's Camp Lagna. It's a sad thing. <laughs> to be honest, this still needs to be explained to me more. We'll get into it. Okay. <laughs> All right. We will get into it. You'll learn. We'll be right You'll back. Learn. Last week was an overall bad look for billionaires. Shocking. They're usually so on point image-wise. Rich boys Michael Bloomberg, Jamie Dimon, and Bill Gates have made it very clear that they do not want a Warren presidency. Them or Pete Buttigieg. That's right. Apparently. Meanwhile, my therapist has recommended a Warren presidency for me, so I need it personally. Four out of five therapists recommend a Warren (laughs) presidency. Uh, the others are busy reading Triggered. <laughs> uh, all these billionaires are upset because they're scared of losing millions of their billions of dollars. Uh, and some of them, like Bloomberg, have even decided that they want to start running for president now. It, it really does feel like the way your musical theater major friend thinks you want to hear them sing Defying Gravity at whatever bar you go to, that billionaires now run for president. <laughs> Should I? Oh, please stop me. <laughs> Don't make me run. <laughs> Jenna Maroney, yes. Uh, no one ever wants to hear anyone sing Divine Gravity, by the way. I sure don't. No. Yeah. I mean, Adina Menzel doesn't even want to sing it. <laughs> Nor does her body. <laughs> uh, the first billionaire who was causing trouble was... J.P. Morgan Chase CEO, so we know he's a good person. Right. Uh, Jamie Dimon, who has a net worth of $1.6 billion. Poor. 
In comparison. Right, right. Uh, Insignificant. Right, like, look how much Bill Gates has. $107 billion. Okay, Jamie, you're a broke bitch. <laughs> Go home. Uh, said Senator Warren vilifies successful people. And in an interview with CBS, he clarified, saying, what I was commenting on is that anything that vilifies people, I just don't like. I think, you know, most people are good. Not all of them. I think you should vilify Nazis. But you shouldn't vilify people who worked hard to accomplish things. And so my comment is, I think it's American society. We're just attacking each other all the time. That's so down to earth and relatable. And I'm glad he said it because it really put everything into perspective. My God, because Nazis came into vogue basically again a couple years ago, now we can just compare anything to them. It's like, it's not as bad. Well, it's not Nazis. He sounds like such a child. He's like, we're attacking each other all the time. What are you talking about? And why do they have the most the strongest opinions about how we see them when they know the wrong they've done. Like, think about Nazis, and then think about all of the families that J.P. Morgan has displaced as a bank. Maybe worse than the Nazis. No, I, it's probably four, <laughs> four to six families. My God. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, what's wilder than billionaires jumping to defend themselves, which, of course, you know, they're, they're reacting, just like that Starbucks billionaire who was running for president for five seconds. Howie Schultz? Yes, yes. Remember him? We made him sad. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> we made him sad Venti and he dropped sad. out. Venti sad. Are the people online who have fixed it upon themselves to defend them? Like, people leaving their, like, nine-to-five job to go and tweet defenses of billionaires. From their Android phone. Yeah. You know? But why are you defending money that's not in your pockets? I don't understand. Yeah. We also have Bill Gates. He is the person that I feel like most people have defended. Uh, he addresses concern over Warren's wealth tax in an onstage interview with the New York Times where he said that he had paid over $10 billion in taxes in the past and he would be fine if he had to pay $20 billion. But... You know, when you say I should pay $100 billion, okay, then I'm starting to do a little math about what I have left over. Sorry, I'm just kidding. So you really want the incentive system to be there, and you can go a long ways without threatening that. Did you see the TikTok that was trying to break down his, his wealth and what he could buy? There was this TikTok oh, that I took saw his, it. all yes. his wealth, and it showed that he could buy literally the whole NFL. He could buy 32 teams in the NFL and still have billions and billions of dollars left over. Him playing this, doing this weird calculus, or even flaunting the fact that even if he lost $100 billion, he'd still have $7 billion left, which is so much money. $70 billion, yes, right. A lot of this ends up being people who are rich, and obviously, you know, I love philanthropy. Oh, but that's know. what you do. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's me daily. The yeah. amount that you give, talent-wise. Yes. Okay. I mean, I don't know who you give it to. I've not seen it. But I'm sure they're loving it. I am Lily Vanderwoodson, okay? Constantly philanthropizing. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> but they also do just dumb things as rich people, right? You know, it was like, recently it was like Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation collaborated to develop, like, gene-based HIV treatment. And it's like... Cool. You have your money to do that. Like, why don't you put your money into like actual like HIV and AIDS prevention? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like making things like PrEP and Truvada like free for everyone in the U.S. around the globe. You know, like stuff that's actually helpful. I feel like whenever we talk about rich people who are like, oh, they donate so much money and they do so much to help people, 
It's always some weird foundation that never seems to actually help people. Or, I mean, I think about being a billionaire, period. I mean, like, in the back of my head all the time, I think we're all, I mean, we, we are people who live in L.A. and work in entertainment, but I feel like most people, a, a part of you is always under operating under the assumption that you want to be successful, and then, like, there's a chance that you'll be rich, and then you'll be whatever. Like, in some far-off universe, a billionaire like these people. Then I think about it consciously. The idea of a billionaire feels so, and I think this is exactly right, 80s to me mm-hmm. it seems so weird to be a billionaire now it's like when you see a lamborghini go down the street like yeah. who is that for why is it making so much noise mm-hmm. why did we put so much whatever into this thing <laughs> it's disgusting and only the only person who should be able to drive it is sharon greg allman in the 70s you know what i'm saying <laughs> but it's just I, I can't even grapple with the ethics of being a billionaire when i think being one is so shocking yes i i think that for a large swath of americans we are raised to think that we can achieve wealth, you know, and it's it's so many people vote particularly for Republicans because they are under this notion that, you know, you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, right. like you could be minutes away from like owning a company or being an entrepreneur and you could make billions. And so much of the reactionary defense of billionaires is from people who somewhere in the back of their minds, they assume I could become a billionaire. Right. You know, and through trying hard and being good or something. Right. Mm -hmm. And you bring up such a perfect point of us, you know, as TV writers, people working in the industry. And you look at people like a Shonda Rhimes, you know, like a Ryan Murphy, you think, oh, I want some of that money. What they have, even they are millionaires. Right, right. They're not billionaires, you know? Even that wealth is not anywhere close to, like, what fucking Jamie Dimon has, yeah. you know? Yeah, right, right, right. And so it is just astronomical thinking about wanting to be a person who cares about what happens to people in this world and thinking that you should have... A hundred billion dollars hoarded somewhere? Yeah. It's it's very strange. I think morally that's where the divide is. Someone like me who didn't come from wealth, who never has really had aspirations of having billions of dollars, I think it's morally repugnant to even own that much money, to have that much money at all, to have it sitting in a trust somewhere, to have it in an offshore account, to be not using it to help others. So the idea – God, even like anywhere over a hundred million dollars feels like you've done – what are you doing? What are you doing with that money? What's right. that for exactly? Yeah, I mean, twenty million. I mean, you're not going to do anything with it. Yeah, you know? that's just Con- Connor. Ro- Connor Roy said, you know, like, <laughs> you'll, oh. <laughs> you'll waste your life with twenty million, but a hundred million, <laughs> good. That's money. Who are the billionaires we trust then? I mean, obviously Oprah comes to mind, but <sighs> that's not my brand, really. Yeah, like Jessica Alba, is she a billionaire? I think she's one of the forty richest women in America. Mm. Um, How do we feel about Beyonce? Is she a billionaire? Mm. Um, I think she just hit billionaire status. I mean, like, she may as well be compared to everybody yeah. else, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think her and Jay-Z, Jay-Z. when they put their Wonder Twin rings together, yeah. are at <laughs> least a billionaires. Beyonce is the rare case of somebody where the music keeps getting better, but I keep kind of knowing her less. Yeah. So I'm wondering how she will maintain that as the years go by. But I'm I'm always fascinated by her if and I think she does remain one step ahead of people. She always puts out something that you're not quite expecting. Richie yeah. Rich, 
Oh, Richie Rich? Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. I, in the Macaulay Culkin movie, when he runs along Mount Rushmore at the end, and it's like mm-hmm. North by Northwest, that yeah. I respected. Richie Rich, I love... Which I've seen. Him. Okay, love, yes. Okay. Love, Turn up. Exactly, yes. Uh, we are due for a Richie Rich reboot. Let's see. Oh, who would play? <laughs> a set, like, Timothy Chalamet with like blonde hair. <laughs> oh, that'd be cute. Yeah, and uh, and like a gritty Richie Rich reboot. Like he's now Cyberpunk a, Richie Now he's Rich. like a twink, and he's... You know, has his aging billions. <laughs> you would think there would be like a Riverdale esque yeah. TV show based on uh, Richie Rich. Uh, also, I just want to remind everybody that it is crazy we have a sexy show based on the Archie comics. I just want to keep reminding yeah. people. I know it's Iris' thing, and we're just, we've accepted it. It is very strange with Maybe, his Clairol orange hair. I don't think the culture would receive a Richie Rich reboot right now, especially in the thrush of all this billionaire stuff. It'd be like, ugh. Maybe he's overcome with guilt about it, Ooh. though. White guilt's always popular among yeah. the teens. Well, I wonder about that, though, because is that why we like a show like Succession? Because we think that they are secretly miserable and because it's also dark and funny because we're not in the era where we're watching, like, a dynasty, Mm-hmm. Like the CW's dynasty isn't that popular. Yeah. You know, I think we're past the era of lavish wealth on TV where you're like, oh, that's aspirational, right? I can't tell if Succession's success is an exception to the rule or the rule. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess people love corruption. Yeah. And I guess people love um, um, diplomacy and, you know, uh, man to man sort of like business like combat. But at the same time, it does feel weirdly out of step to like yeah I, th- I guess they would just have to be sort of miserable deep down yeah I think we'd like to see that in that show the family's happiness is dismantled you see mm-hmm. that there's the father may not even truly love the kids in the way that you would expect a father to love children mm-hmm. so I think that feeds the notions that we already have about billionaires and about mm-hmm. how callous they are so I think that's why succession does well it's like the fall of the house of Atreus sure <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is also just because the show is good and yeah. also because of television critics too i mean Mm -hmm. if i'm being honest you know succession doesn't get big bang theory ratings you know it's not a worldwide or even like nationwide phenomena yeah it's a lot in the way that mad men was a show that there was an article that i read somewhere it was about how mad men was more of a cultural phenomenon than it was a ratings success oh sure in the sense that all of us could reference mad men and Banana Republic had Mad Men clothes, and everything was inspired by Mad Men, et cetera, but that didn't translate with the amount of people who actually watched Mad Men. It's like 30 Rock. The amount of, I already referenced Jenna Maroney, but we all know all the jokes from that show, but that's uh, about the people who are in this room and not so much about people who are in the middle of the country or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder if these billionaires, well, I wonder if, oh, they're definitely not voting for Warren, I can tell you that, but I wonder if Warren is willing to have conversations with them about this at all. You know, I mean, she's someone that it looks bad for her to even sit down with billionaires. So I wonder what. But also her vibe is kind of the teacher who stays after class to explain the problem you still didn't get. Very true. So yeah. I feel like if, from the, the the teacher perspective, it could be kind of rad. Maybe she just needs to put on a leather jacket, play some Coolio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then she can help Bill Gates. Are you uh, Mr. Turner? Is she talking about Mr. Turner from Boy Meets World? That's I was, what I pictured. I was talking oh. about Michelle Pfeiffer in Dangerous Minds. Oh, they both wore leather coats. Or, it was a fair or, mistake. Or Annie Potts in Dangerous Minds, the TV show. Uh, which I never saw. Well, 
Remember how Annie Potts started in a huge blockbuster this year? Toy Story 4. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Feeny. Yes. Warren has Mr. Feeny vibes. Yes, quite. Mm-hmm. quite. Exactly. I do constantly feel like she is popping over America's fence. Saying, hey, neighbor. Hey, neighbor. You know what's crazy that Mr. Feeny still with us? He is what? in his 90s. Yeah. You know what? I love that for him. I know. Yeah. Me too. I love that life for him. I love that for him. Whereas, you know, Topanga died in a boat crash in 1943. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> Danielle Fischel is very much with us. If you could see the, the how far my jaw had dropped the whole time you were saying that, I really believed that she was dead. Until I got to 1943. Until you got to 1943. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Last Quickly, night. Quickly, I just want to say about her. Remember how at the beginning of that show she was like a weird hippie and by the end she was the most normal person who ever lived? Like they couldn't commit she to who was. she was as a they, character. They, she's all vetted her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She literally became a sexy bombshell on the show <laughs> yeah. when in the first season she was definitely Kooky. Shailene Woodley. But yeah. when you were 13 or 14, <laughs> didn't you all have a phase that you went through that you endured? Like mine was a punk, really, really punk phase. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so that maybe... is true. That said, I mean she's named Listening Topang- to Eminem. That yeah. was my phase. That was it? She's yes. named Topanga because she had hippie parents. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway, it's funny that she became so down to earth. Growth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Instead of eating the earth. <laughs> I did read a New York Times op-ed by Michael Tomsky who actually did bring up the fact that it might not actually be democratic for a wealth tax the way Warren is talking okay, about it. Okay, but it would be fun. It would be fun, you know? And it's, it, it also it. brings into mind the question of whether we want people who come up with grand ideas that could maybe help everybody or whether we want to keep going with like what's practical like an income tax Mm. well somebody solve it who works for this network it's not going to be me it certainly won't (laughs) be I solve Jack Hayes next project okay (laughs) should be a whodunit Uh, anyway I think those are the only billionaires we like yeah, do I forget any? I mean, like George Lucas, I think he's a billionaire. Mm. I think he's actually, according to a 2017 Forbes listing, is richer than Steven Spielberg. Does that surprise mm. you? Yeah, well, that makes sense. These wars of stars keep continuing. Steven Spielberg spent all his money building dinosaurs. That's true. They're just hanging out in his backyard. Oh, you're running the books on the dinosaurs? Like, ooh, that Diplodocus was expensive. <laughs> I guess Elon Musk is certainly a billionaire. Right. Is he? Elon. <laughs> I don't believe anything that man says. I don't know, man. I, I was in a self-driving name? Tesla Jeff for the Bezos. first time recently. Guys, it's really crazy. That's yeah. it. It, it, it made me feel like a, like like uh, somebody seeing IMAX for the first time in their 80s. I was like, wow, what a whole new world. A Tesla? Yeah, being, yeah. I, I love them. I, I mean, I don't know that I love them. I fear them and respect that they feel like they are from a Marty McFly universe. I yeah. would love one. Yeah, I would love one too. <clears throat> Sometimes crazy. you want a little wealth, a little class. A little power. It's the level of ostentatious I'll do. I won't do the Lamborghini, mm-hmm. but I'll do the Tesla. Got it. Now I'm thinking about that. Okay. You, you'd do it. All yeah. Right. Like, what's, <laughs> what's the level of, like, flash. wild flash that you would accept in your life? Uh, you ever seen the Gossip Folks video with Ludacris? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, he wears that alligator suit. That's mm. about it for me. That's it? Yeah. I think... And then carrying my Oscar everywhere if I get one. Mm. Mm. I'm doing Britney VMA's Snake Around My Neck. Oh, okay. That's, That's oh, what I, I see. would do. I guess you don't need that much money to do that. That's just... Right. You can just, just be walking down La Brea. Yeah. Personality choice. I've seen people walk down <laughs> yeah. La Brea with snakes around their neck. I think very... I mean, there's a lot of creepy connotations because Michael Jackson, but I think amusement park. Ooh. Oh, sure. Themed around you? Or, you or themed Travis around... Scott. 
What would it be? Ira down? Land. Ira Land. It just sounds awful. I mean, why? <laughs> what would that be? <laughs> you can't have a meme-themed roller coaster. Can't I? Okay, well, I shouldn't step, have suggested it. Step right up and ride the... <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to do all the voicings for all the rides? Probably. In different accents? Yeah. Step okay. right up and ride this dated Whitney gif or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here's Joan Collins waving papers in the air. The ride. <coughs> Step over here for the everybody's been doing emails. <laughs> uh, when we're back, we'll be joined by Hunter Harris. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And I am the coziest a human being can be. Because, by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's, like, pretty mild outside, and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter. Where every day feels like Saturday... And French fries are a food group. Where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door. Where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and... How I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. (laughs) Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire... Michelle Obama to reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. 
Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. <laughs> Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. As poet laureate Noah Centineo once said at the Ease People's Choice Awards. I just, I just want to say thank you, everyone at home. You are the reason I'm on this stage. You are the reason I get to do what I am passionate about. You are the reason that I have a platform that I can help hopefully make the world a bit of a better place. And before I go, I just want to say it matters not what you've done, but what you do with what you've done. For others. He was talking about Hunter Harris. <laughs> Hunter <laughs> Harris, staff writer at Vulture and tweeter extraordinaire, has come to keep it finally. Finally, we've lured you here. Oh my gosh. Hunter, I have so many questions I about don't... you. Okay. <laughs> you just you just came into my life like a burst of fresh air <laughs> on Twitter. Um Right when I got sick of using it, and I was like, oh my God, thank God there are still people who are having fun on this website <laughs> who work at Vulture, where I used to work. I know. We didn't overlap. No. I I was there for a hot minute. <laughs> <laughs> I did American Idol recaps for Vulture for a while. Uh, that's some intrepid work, by the way. I, I deserve yeah. more props. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you are in Los Angeles yes. because you hosted a screening of A Star is Born. Yeah, a little indie movie called <laughs> A Star is Born. One day I'm going to get like a cease and desist. Like Bradley Cooper will be like, I'm begging you to come up with something else. And I'll say, no, I can't do that. I love I love A Star is Born so much. I, I want to know Tell why. me about that. I, want, I, want, I mean, it's not that I don't love it, but yeah. you, there's like a religious <laughs> devotion to this movie. I saw a tweet where you said you counted how many times the F word was said, and I was like, oh, well, how many? That was it. That... <laughs> <laughs> I just think, okay, I, first of all, did not expect to like this movie as much as I did. And I remember going to the screening in New York last, I guess it was last September, October, and it's like three minutes into the movie, I was like, oh, I'm I'm trapped. Like, Bradley <laughs> Cooper and the beard and the tan has like trapped me. The, like, I, <laughs> what what is happening here? I thought he was, and someone... Which is funny. It's like he's an actor that I've never really thought about that much. So I was mm -hmm. really surprised at myself. And then as the movie, he has just... such a weird career. Where right, right. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember him mostly from Alias. Right. Oh my and, gosh, back in the dizzy. Yes, and then I remember his comedic acting and that's where I, I saw over him. Era. To yeah. me, he was only a comedic actor. So to right. see him doing drama or serious stuff was so off kilter. No, in like 2013, he's like, what if I was nominated for eight Oscars? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and we'd all were just like, okay, fine. Okay. And then remember he had that brief period where conservatives were in love with him because he was American an American sniper. sniper. Yeah. Right. But then they realized he wasn't a conservative and were like, he was caping. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you got pulled in just like Allie. In, really just <laughs> like Allie. We both have punch cops and cop bars. Um, no. I, um, yeah, I just, I think it's like, A Star is Born is such a big movie. It's like lots of big feelings. It wears its heart on its sleeve and I'm usually so cynical that I just loved that this is like a movie literally about 
making art, falling in love, you know, all like the industry, of course. But it's just so like, I don't know. When was the last time I I went to a movie and I was like, I'm feeling every emotion all at once right now? Mm -hmm. And because I feel like a lot of movies that we see are more understated, which I do appreciate. And like, that's sort of the narrative that I like better. But but I just felt so many things. I was like, oh, my gosh, like. I love this. And then I just wrote everything I could. Like, I counted how many times um, they said the F word because I simply had to know. I counted how many times Dave Chappelle said bro, which was five. In <laughs> one scene, it's pretty shocking. Um, and, and yeah, and I, 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 it was like a joke that I should host a Star is Born screening for Vulture Festival that just became more and more real. And then it, like, sold out. And I was like, I hope you all know that this movie is streaming on HBO at present. <laughs> it's actually so easy for you to sit in your home and watch it without me talking through it. Um, I want tips, though. Like, how do you host a screening of a film where obviously, I guess, there was audience participation? Listen, I ran into three of my bosses before the screening, and I was like, if you have any ideas, like, literally give them to me. I have no plan. Um, so we just... Okay, I am very persnickety. I don't like when people talk through movies because I think mm-hmm. it's so annoying. And I'm like, I want to like watch the movie. Um, so I was like, I said some stuff in the beginning. And then I was like, I'll just like pop in at little parts that I feel like are like kind of cool just to know. Like that Bradley Cooper's real ear doctor had like a cameo. That um, he based his voice on Sam Elliott, obviously. Like scenes that were filmed at the Roosevelt where, where, where the screening was, I like pointed that out. And then our mutual friend Kyle Buchanan texted me, um, no more trivia. We're done with trivia. I was like, like, thank you, audience feedback. Um, But, yeah, so I was just like, you know, mostly I was just gasping a lot because Mm -hmm. it's been a long time since I've seen it. And I was like, wow, Lady Gaga is a vocalist. Mm -hmm. Like, she can do everything. It's like. She's so good in this movie. But it's release crazy. an album. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, it's so pleasurable to read your interviews with people, too. What's the, been the most satisfying Q&A you've done recently where, like, somebody, you know, proved they got it, so to speak? Oh, that's a that's a really good question. I, I think, okay. <laughs> it was funny. Okay, I'm looking at your shirt, Ira, and, which is from Clueless. Mm-hmm. And it's, I just did an interview with Charlie Puth. Um, last week. Oh, you and know I, that we are Puth Hive, unfortunately. I just think he's like a genius. Right. Like he has mm-hmm. perfect pitch. Like that's the thing. But I think that he understands music in a way that, and that understands pop music specifically in a way that I think is really interesting. And so a lot of our interview was just like him talking to me about like what he likes hearing, what he doesn't like hearing as a producer. Um, but he, there was a point when we started talking about his personal life, and he was like, "We, I, I don't even know how this came up really, but he was like trying to explain something to me." by explaining a scene from Clueless. Mm-hmm. And then he takes out his phone and he's like, he's like explaining to me like verbally. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Like I've seen Clueless when I was like, you know, sixth grade, whatever. Like I like it, but I, it's like been a minute since I've seen it. And he's like, okay, you're not getting it. Takes out his phone, <laughs> plays the scene. And then he's like, oh wait, you're not hearing it. And then like turns up his volume, plays it, like runs it back. Plays Which the scene? scene? Again, the, the last scene with Paul Rudd and Lisey Silverstone. Okay. Um, oh, the sure. stairs, mm-hmm. When uh, he's like, you know, like you're, caring and compassion like you're beautiful and then she's like you think I'm beautiful and Charlie Puth was like run we need to you didn't hear it like come on let's watch it again what was he <laughs> trying to get to resonate with you in that moment um just about like I don't know it's <laughs> about <laughs> relationships and like what he's looking for in a partner basically mm-hmm. that he would love to like be with a woman who is 
who's like that? Who's so caring? Who can see things about him that, mm. you know, maybe other people can't or that he can't see about himself, which I think is like super relatable. But I did think it was funny that he was like, oh, okay. he's the share. Yeah. I get it. Okay. <laughs> yes. Got it. Got it. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's, oh, that's important not, to clarify. Okay. Yes. Well, I mean, wow, Charlie now Puth, I really relate Charlie to Charlie is always that's wearing Aliyah. So, <laughs> I get it. Uh, that is an interesting way into pop culture, too, you know, because yeah. I just I think that movie, Clueless, probably has a lot in common with something like A Star is Born, you yeah. know? And, and you were talking before about how much you love A Star is Born because it's like it's so splashy and it's fun and it feels it feels like a movie. And a I think we're all right, and we're all movie people. And I feel like, do you feel like that is something we want to see more, or does it only need to happen sometimes in cinema? Because I would rather sit and watch like they know I love like Cirque melodramas, yeah. you know. Like I would rather watch like some big Splashy people guileless. are having fun on film, you know, than I don't know. 40 hours about Irish people. <laughs> is that how long that movie is? Marty, I'm still going to see it. <laughs> no, I, I, I do. I think I come from like my, my aunt. Like I watched a lot of movies with her and she was so into like the imitation of life, like big mm. melodramas. And it's like that is, I just love it. I love movies that, like, that are events. And I think part of the thing with The Star is Born is that, and in a lot of ways clueless too, like movies that are, at this scale, sort of, is that the scale isn't always, like, budget or talent or whatever. It's that it's so much fun to talk about these movies. It's so much mm-hmm. fun to talk about, like, scenes from Clueless, the costumes, like, just the lush world building that is, like, Beverly Hills. Is that where they live? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's becoming more rare. Do you know what's fun this Oscar season, though, is I do think there is a, a rare movie that kind of straddles both of those worlds, which is Parasite, which oh, is yes. a, a kind of gigantic cinematic thing. But also, I mean, the message of it, the messaging of it is so rad and something you really want to discuss. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I'm hoping there's more of that merging in the future where it's just like I a mean, big, that pain it, and glory, too. Yeah, you pain know? and glory. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's splashy. It's fun. But it's also very heartfelt and sentimental. Right, right, yeah. right. As far as being a staff writer for Vulture, I mean, you going ahead and picking what topics you want to talk about and what movies and shows you want to discuss that week or however often you write – do you ever find yourself, like, because you said that you used to like movies a lot when you were younger, too. Mm-hmm. What, if you could pick a movie that came out when you were younger that you wish you could report on now, oh, like it was, my gosh. like it just got released, everyone was talking about it. That is so funny. Um, I think about this all the time, like yeah. what I would have written about movies that I loved growing up. I, I mean, I loved Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one, like would watch it with the director's commentary because I was just eight years old and nuts out of my mind. <laughs> it's still iconic. It, no, like, it is slaps. It is yeah. hilarious. It's so it is. <laughs> I remember going to see Pirates of the Caribbean and being absolutely shocked at how much fun it was yeah. and how much I laughed during it. Yes. And that was completely gone from the sequels. Right. Oh, right. totally. No, no, no. It, it had such a weird sensibility where it's like, it totally was a good movie for like kids, but it was also like it was full of these crazy double entendres that I was like, oh, they, like this would be so great. Also, a movie that we were just talking about, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah, like what a narrative mm-hmm. for a movie. It's just uh, my, and I do think that was also Brad Pitt at his most attractive. Um, I wish like well, now I'm thinking internet, about that. Yeah, internet sort of like even 
Twitter culture was sort of around then because we would that, have eaten good for days. Oh uh, my god! Full. The, first <laughs> of all, I am full Angelina Hive. Yeah, so really. I would have. I'm a Jennifer Aniston. I girl. would have been. I would have. <laughs> I would have been tweeting Jen memes. <laughs> I, I would be getting dragged on Twitter. Wow. <laughs> my mom is still bitter about the Angelina and the Jennifer situation. Your mom was standing Jennifer Aniston. My like mom was that? such a Jennifer Aniston stand. She's like, wow, she's stole. Like, she's still very passionate about yeah, it. She's got her smart water. <laughs> and the Avino, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the morning show. And the yeah. morning show. Yeah. It's just the rare show. tabloid story where it was kind of teased the insanity of what became an affair. And then it turned out to be true. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. it turned out we got to know about it. You know what I mean? It's so mm-hmm. rare that, you know, like something could live up to an inquirer-sized headline. You know? Right. It wasn't yeah. a flop like that. Uh, Marion Cotillard yes, right. affair that was supposed to have happened. Like, Brad Pitt. I was Pitt. promised yeah. that. And yeah. what do I have? Nothing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have Allied, which I didn't see. Okay, I know. Thanks. I went and saw it for that reason. Oh. It almost, yeah. it almost it was marketing felt, for yeah. that reason. It yeah. felt like they were trying to lure us to see Allied um, with the promise of, oh, this steamy affair. And I was like, oh, that's how the Nazis got people. <laughs> <laughs> so you will not get me to see your Nazi movie. And Ally, by the way, turned out to be what? Like an episode of Cold Case? What was that movie? <laughs> uh, what are you very excited about going into Oscar season? Like, what should Ooh. we be caping for? What <laughs> don't the girls know about? Because you're Chalamet universe, right? Uh, yeah, I am. But mm-hmm. I don't think he has anything big. I mean, the king, but, you know. Do you, have you seen Little Women that. yet? No, not yet. I'm seeing it next week. He slays. Um, yes. I... As Hunter and I have been um, kept from Little Women screenings. Oh, wow. Truly. As, we, as we've documented How on Twitter. How come she Willoughby? Like, <laughs> who am <I> upset? <laughs> Literally... <laughs> Every white person has seen <laughs> Little Women. It's like we're really like pushing day 10,000 of me not having seen Little Women, and it just mm-hmm. really makes no sense to me. Um, but no, I'm so excited for Little Women. That's the only thing that, I, that I'm that i really looking forward to seeing that I haven't seen yet. I'm um, seeing Knives Out this week, and oh, I so cannot wait. did love it. I okay. thought it was so fun. He's one of my favorite directors. Oh, um, I think... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just reading the profile of him that we just published on Vulture, and it mm. was really interesting because he was talking about like, the Star Wars backlash and how basically he's like, the girls are mad, and what am I going to do about it? Like, getting mad at him for ruining their childhoods or whatever? Enough. Um, well, and I love him. Ryan Johnson for the yes, Ryan Johnson. Yes. I love him too because that is that perfect mix of the Scorsese thing, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, I've enjoyed your takes on the Scorsese thing because you've just been tweeting jokes <laughs> because that's the only way I feel like you can interact with film Twitter, just like some jokes. Because if you try and put an actual like thought, then you will get 50 responses in an hour from people who didn't actually read your tweet right. and just want to argue about right. something. But I feel like Ryan Johnson comes from that era of where... Marty was talking about if he was younger, like he would have loved like Marvel movies and stuff and like wanted to do that stuff, right? I mm-hmm. feel like Ryan Johnson makes such good movies, mm-hmm. but also he grew up in the era where he was like, Yeah, I want to make a fucking Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it's good. <laughs> I, I mean, Last Jedi it, is one of my, I think it is my favorite Star Wars movie. I like, think it's my second after Empire. But, oh, that makes sense. Wait, so I, I love Adam Driver oiled up in that movie. It's like, ugh. Thank you. Speaking of him, have you seen Marriage Story yet? Yes, I have. He really is spectacular in it. I mean, he's bigger than my whole life. Like, I love him in this movie. I think he's so good. And it's also like, like, did you cry? 
No, though I'm not really prone to cry in a movie, okay. strangely. Yeah. I didn't cry either, but I almost liked it. Like, I just had a sense of general melancholy. Yeah. That was, like, very affecting. It, it felt like, I mean, the poster looks like this, but it feels like a movie like Kramer versus Kramer. Um, we were talking about Ellen Burstyn earlier. Yeah. Twice in a Lifetime, these, like, movies where there's a, a malaise, of, you know, just a feeling in the air around, like, the, the dissolution of a family that is really well captured. Yeah. You know? I've had a lot of people text me and be like, oh, you need to see Marriage Story. You're going to love it. And I'm like, is it because I don't have a father? Um, <laughs> yeah, like, that's like, why like, they like, told you that. Well... <laughs> All my friends have come from divorces <laughs> who've texted me this. I'm like, uh, is this like our movie? Uh-huh. Um, I'm very interested in seeing a marriage story, but it's also, I feel like I'm ready for no more of this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I don't know, the dissolution of white couples on TV. I don't know, unless it's Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. Oh, I see. You yeah. know, like, what are we still doing? Ordinary people hive. <laughs> you <Yes>. know? Uh, <laughs> Wait, so one second, just to back up, because, so I really want to know, what are we, what should we be looking at going into the Oscars? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> I think Marriage Story is like, a, has a lot of opportunities to, okay. to get lots of nominations, because um, it is so good, and there's so, it's like, another, there's so much of this movie to talk about. Um, but, okay, my favorite movie this year is Uncut Gems, okay. the Safdie Brothers movie. It is, like, truly out of its mind. You are Uncut Gems Hive. I, listen, my gems, baby, they can't be cut. <laughs> <laughs> they won't be cut. Um, <laughs> this is notably Adam Sandler's new uh, mm-hmm. yes. drama. His, his, yes. new, his new joint. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wait, has, has anyone seen it? I have I not have seen not. it. No. I'm oh, my seeing gosh. It, I'm seeing it soon. I, I can't remember the last time I watched a movie that, that I was, like, so visibly tense. Mm-hmm. And it was only sort of exacerbated by the fact that, like... So in the movie, um, it's about... I should go back. In the movie, it's about Adam Sandler, who's, like, a Diamond District, like, jewelry salesman. He has this shop. And he finds this, like, Ethiopian gym, which is uncut. And he has a sort of scheme to, like, flip it and auction it off and get more money. And so it's just, like, constantly him getting himself into trouble like, he goes from one scheme to the next scheme to the next, and they're all just, like, sort of stupid. Like, mm-hmm. none of them really ever will work or make sense because they just – it's just messy. Um, but in the movie, they the way that they, like, layer just drama in this man's life, it's like he's on the phone with one person, getting on the phone with another person. There's, like, people banging at the door trying to get into the jewelry shop. It's, like, incredibly tense to watch. And as I was watching it at TIFF, some guy next to me had, like, dropped his phone and was, like, like – crawling around on the floor trying to find the phone and I'm like you need to literally calm down like I, I cannot take this right now this is like it's like 4DX is that their, what movie, their yeah. movies are very tense yes mm-hmm. yes I feel like there's a tendency once a decade or so to re- reward somebody who has a very successful dramatic turn that you don't expect one yeah. from you know? but yeah. we get those I feel like every five years or so from Adam Sandler uh, true right. true you know so yeah. like it's it's there's precedent for the awards being like, oh, you're doing this again. Right. Let's give you something. <laughs> you know, instead of those Netflix movies that you make every week. Right, right, right. Oh my God. That, they're still coming out. They're still yeah. coming out. <laughs> like the, the vacation movies, right? Where he just like has an excuse to go somewhere and hang out. Yeah. Right. He's yes. like, I need I to be that. with Kevin James for nine days. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> is what the contract says. Uh, I guess lastly, you know, like we know you a lot from Twitter too. Yes. I just how do you craft these tweets 
which are wild. I feel like <laughs> I feel like you're part of the new guard. You know, oh, I, I feel old, I feel old looking at <laughs> the tweet. I'm like, I'm still trying to keep up. I listen. I wish I knew, but sometimes I will like see my like sometimes people like retweet stuff I tweeted a long time ago. And by long, I mean like a couple months ago. And I'm like, what was she thinking? Like, yeah. truly, what was I going through? Even the other night, I was like, what did I say? I said, I would redacted Sam Elliott redacted. And I was like, oh, I mean, suck dry. And it's like, who? <laughs> <laughs> what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Um, no, it's my, my mom follows me on Twitter. And she, for the most part, is only like, what does this mean? And it's like something that is, I don't know, like, a moment most pleasing to me in my career. She's mm-hmm. like, what does that mean? And it's like, oh, I have to, like, okay, let's sit down and have story time. So Mariah Carey, <laughs> no, Whitney Houston, Whitney Houston. Um, it was so funny seeing, uh, sorry, it was so funny hearing uh, Jesse um, from Vulture yes. talk about that phrase when he was on La Culturistas. Yes. Uh, and they were talking about your Twitter with Matt Rogers, Bowen Gang, and it was, I was wondering, I was like, does he know? Where a moment most pleasing comes from, because <laughs> Bowen and Matt clearly yes, did, yes. and uh, I feel like that's such a weird part of Twitter now too, where you're not even just constructing a joke, you're also constructing a joke by mixing in a phrase and meme that we the all already know. The levels of irony, right? Mm-hmm. The levels of irony in Twitter, like it's such an in-group. You have to understand 17 different facets of what meme culture is because somebody's going to have like one right. ultimate meme. You know, my brain is mush. Yeah, yeah. Like, it I feel doesn't like, exist. Oh my god, I feel like it would be trying to layer continuity of 30 Rock via just the jokes. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, right, if you right. actually made a list of um, who I think is doing what the other girl should be doing, yeah. it's probably 500 people and all of them probably shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> my mom basically follows me, Ira, and Aida, I think. Oh, no. And, um, oh my gosh. Lovely. Actually, I, I haven't gotten a report back on your tweets okay. yet. Okay. So <laughs> questionable. Want to talk wild for a moment. So questionable. My, um, but my mom will like quote Ira's tweets. I'm like, Mom, we I, I you have to go back to like a, a puzzle piece that has long been lost. So like this, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to explain. It's here. such an ephemeral place. Yeah. Uh, Hunter, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Yeah, thank for you for having me. Yes, people need to follow you too. Yeah, Hunter. If, you've, if you haven't taken that from this conversation, yes. oh my God. at Hunter Y Harris. Yes. Do That's it. That's me. Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and french fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at oceocean.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring 
The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise. The sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. This weekend was the 8th annual Camp Flogna Carnival, the L.A.-based music festival founded by Tyler, the creator. After being promised a surprise set, a lot of attendees who were very certain for some reason that Frank Ocean was going to leave his home and come to L.A. and perform for them a little show, they were sorely mistaken because instead they got Drake and they were not happy about it. Okay, this needs to be explained to me. Happened. Why did they think it was Frank Ocean? What was there like a an anagram that they misspelled? What happened in the, in the tease for this? <laughs> uh, it was like murder by numbers. Yeah. Sandra Bullock <laughs> helped them figure it out. So every year, Camp Flogna always does a surprise guest. I was there this year. I've been there before. And usually the final headliner on Sunday night is... Someone who you you have no idea who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, before it was like Earl Sweatshirt one year. Uh, I'm blanking on who else before, but um, we all knew that there was going to be a surprise headliner, and there were question marks on the lineup. And what's interesting is, I would put the blame for this on a lot of different people. I think it was asinine for people to assume that Frank Ocean was going to be there in the first place because Frank Ocean ain't doing shit. <laughs> yeah, I still don't understand why he... they thought they had solved it. Yeah. Okay, I mean, he already had two flop prep plus parties. Yeah, so and he well maybe they thought that he it would be him because he had just released two songs. He has he's in the camp of like Tyler the Creator's people and mm-hmm. Earl Sweatshirt's people. Mm-hmm. They used to be in a group together called Odd Future when they were younger. Uh, they don't make music together anymore. They really don't even feature on each other's songs anymore. And that's the thing, too. It is a lot of assumptions about how close Frank and Tyler are. Yeah. Which I don't think we have any knowledge of at this point because they don't collab together. Mm-hmm. And they explicit they used to explicitly talk about, like, Tyler used to crash on my couch. Frank used to crash on my couch. Like, they were close 10 years ago mm-hmm. when they were talking about it, when they were very, very young. But now those children had no reason to, to expect Frank Ocean to come. Right. And there were weird Reddit-esque rumors and just sort of, like, fervor of people Mm -hmm. really trying to piece things together like oh after FK Twigs performed who was fucking amazing by the way I bet um, I just listened to that album it's a little baffling to me but all right, we can talk about that another time we will alright I don't think it's for you okay (laughs) it better be good baffling (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) go listen to Amy Mann and I and I used curiosity shot oh oh my god (laughs) coming down on my taste um but after she performed, apparently a Frank Ocean song played on just like the speaker system, blaring music into the festival, and so it was like, oh, that's a clue. That um, should have been a, that should have been an anti-clue. If yeah. anything, I think that should have de-escalated what they thought because why would an artist who's about to go on stage play a track that he's going to perform? Yeah, that, that makes no sense to me. Yeah, so these are some amateur detectives, if I do say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> so this is why I would also lay some blame on Tyler. Because mm-hmm. usually there is a logo up there on the stage with question marks, and then it says the name of the person who's performing, and they come out. Mm-hmm. This year, 
he was teasing Drake. It was more a, he came out and said, you guys mind if I bring a friend out? Mm -hmm. And then he brought out ASAP, you know, fresh from prison. (laughs) (laughs) Still nibbling on Swedish fish. Right. (laughs) Who did a couple songs. Yeah. Then he was like, you guys mind if I bring another friend out? Mm -hmm. Then uh, little Uzi Vert came out. Um, And that was fun. Did a couple songs. Then he was like, you guys mind if I bring another friend out? And like at this point, people are like, is he teasing this for Frank? Mm -hmm. And Drake came out. Granted, I'd heard that Drake was going to be the secret performer all day. You knew. Yeah. So some people knew. Um, Like, so... I was ready because I love Drake. Yeah. You know, uh, he always puts on a fun show. And Frank Ocean often does not. So <laughs> um, we were ready for that. And he did a couple songs, and people were like, oh, okay, it's like someone else going to come out. But Drake then weirdly kept being like, <laughs> You know, I'm going to tell you, I'm here for you tonight. If you want me to keep going, I'll keep going. I'm going to tell you. Please. Like I said, I'm here for you tonight. If you want to keep going, no! I will keep going tonight. What's up? Frank! If you want to keep going, I will keep going tonight. Oh, He's going to stay. It's been love. I love y'all. I go by the name of Drake. Thank you for having me. It's not like it's some accordion player I've never heard of. No, it's fucking Drake. It's Drake. I don't get it. I yeah. still don't. I mean, I, I guess if they expected one thing and they realized he was the last performer, but wouldn't you have realized that at the beginning of his set? Like, who's yeah. coming on after Drake? The problem is the allure of Frank Ocean really gets in these kids' minds. Like, yeah. the fact that he is very elusive. You, nobody really mm. knows what he's doing. He'll just drop a song and say nothing about it. Like, that is the kind of the mystique around Frank Ocean. So. It was probably devastating for them to see that Drake was the one there. But the fact that they booed Drake, someone who they all, they liked Drake. Right. So they, they booed him. And some people apparently were throwing water bottles. Yeah. And basically the last time he was like, y'all want one more? Y'all want one more? Uh, people were like, no. And then like he was like, it's been love. And he walked yeah. off stage. And the stage went black. And then you hear people chant- chanting, we want Frank. We want Frank. It's like. Do you think he's just like backstage drinking chamomile? Franklin's <laughs> peeking behind a curtain, right. just waiting. <laughs> oh, they beckoned. That's not. Shall I materialize? <laughs> uh, the funniest thing that happened out of this was Tyler's tweets. Hilarious. Tyler. All caps. T- all caps. I thought bringing one of the biggest artists on the fucking planet to a music festival was fire, but flip side, a little tone deaf knowing the specific crowd it drew. Some created a narrative in their head and acted out like assholes when it didn't come true, and I don't fuck with that. This nigga did Feel No Ways. Song is beautiful. <laughs> also, mostly, everyone was having a great time. Those shits in the front area were the ones being mad rude, which I can see why, but nah, fuck that. Y'all represented me and flogged to my guest and made us look so entitled and trash. There were a lot of people bopping to them, he said. Yeah. I feel like the people in the front in general admission were people who were like parked well, there all the fucking day fans. thinking it was going to be Frank. Yeah, because I saw a video once Drake got off stage and everyone was, you know, dissipating because that's it. Now the festival's over. I hope y'all are happy. There's one man screaming at the top of his lungs, like screaming Frank's name. Yeah. You know, those are the people Frank! who are the most- exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like Amy Winehouse. Yeah, that album. There was... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me, pumps. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I 
interviewed Jackie Collins once. She said that was her favorite song in the oh. moment. Then she soon died. Anyway, go ahead. Oh my God. Uh, you should be stronger than me. Anyway. That song's so problematic now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so, right? Are you gay? Are you gay? <laughs> are you a faggot? Is that why you don't want to fuck Amy Winehouse? The song is wild. But she's dead. Uh, there you what are. can we say? Uh, We've all been here seven years longer. <laughs> he also tweeted, Okay, last week, I was in the front and I hear, Tyler! And I looked to my left and this girl, red face, puffy, Waterfall of tears looked into my soul and said, trembling with anger, what the fuck is this shit? Nigga, I turned away so quick. She was pissed, bro. Bruh. <laughs> Tyler is one of the... F- oh, I mean, if you guys remember, Tyler had a show on Adult Swim called Loiter Squad with he and his friends. This guy is a funny guy through and through. He doesn't care. He gives no... Sh- In fact, the song, Feel No Ways. Tyler doesn't feel no ways. Drake doesn't feel no ways. Did you see right. what Drake posted on Instagram? Yes. Dr- so <laughs> Drake's response was peak Drake, very petty. He said... Like, LOL, um, just signed a residency at Camp Flogna, so y'all be seeing me every year for the next 10 years. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and sorry now, he wins. I've, I'm rooting for Drake in this situation. He, he, he cried all the way to his uh, $200 million jet. Right, I'm, I bet. Now, Twitter is ablaze with all of these funny lyrics that, like, you know, Drake is probably going to sing about about this, and it's like, oh, the crowd had me full up with emotion. Just to be frank, I cried an ocean. Yeah. <laughs> Things like that. Frank Ocean, my dear, doesn't give a damn. <laughs> yeah. Frank doesn't even know this happened. He's planning the next the third prep party and that's it. That's really he doesn't know. He hasn't uh, left bed. Uh but really this just this idea of booing an artist because you I'm didn't get what you want. I'm thinking of the situation in which I would actually boo an artist. Like, what I heard one time when, what, whatever, when Lauren Hill shows up 34 hours late, maybe you get a little ornery in that situation. 34. But honestly... Not Gina. No. Gina no. Rodriguez is in the front. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, uh, 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 the most famous example of booing I can think of was after uh, Sinead O'Connor ripped that picture of the Pope. Mm. She did, went to that tribute to Bob Dylan, yeah. where she was singing a song and got booed because she was, you know, a controversial figure at the time. But that yes. was such a specific pop cultural insane moment. I always imagine you boo like an artist if it's like, like you know, in her drunker days, like if it was like Courtney Love or something, you yeah. know, like stumbling on stage. Like if the artist is fucking up and like not actually performing, right. then you're pissed and you start yeah. booing at them, right? That one performance of Whitney totally botching I Will Always Love You that I had not seen until that documentary. That might have been boo-worthy. I could not imagine booing an artist. Maybe one, given the event that they had different expectations, I see how that could have like gassed them up. But two, as long as somebody came out, they got dressed that morning, the DJ's there, the songs are playing. Could you imagine booing anyone? Mm -hmm. Halsey. (laughs) Halsey. Uh, Not for nothing. A lot of you are saying that I have swerved you or whatever, but I've been impressed all day. (laughs) Have you seen that video of Halsey? Oh, yes. Coming out to confront her fans outside of a hotel. Uh, What's a very funny irony um, that... uh, um, our friend Royce pointed out because he was there with me was the fact that so many of these teens were dressed like they were in euphoria, right? Uh-huh. Because that's just become, mm-hmm. you know, the look now. Like it blew up. And they were booing Drake. 
And it's like the irony lost on <laughs> oh, them produ- that yeah. he's a producer of Euphoria. He should have been like, do y'all want a season two, yes or no? If, no? It, if he had threatened to take away season two of Euphoria, they would have shut the fuck uh-uh. up. Woo, booze would have turned to woos. <laughs> he's uh, like Miranda Priestly in uh, Devil Wears Prada telling Anne Hathaway, like, you picked that look from a pile of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> a pile of Zendaya stuff. <laughs> that is an iconic scene. Oh, the best. I yeah. love that scene so much. I would also lastly just say that not to put age into it, but it felt like fans who did not have a frame of reference for how disappointing Frank Ocean is. I'm like, do these people remember the period between Channel Orange and Blonde when, when that nigga was y'all. so annoying and played us constantly? Month after month after month, he would play y'all. And then you remember the, even the release of that shit where it was like, Oh, here's a video of me constructing a set, fucking like streaming loop on yeah. a computer. Heavy uh, breathing onto right. a beat. He constantly he- does that shit, which is why I was not shocked that he was not there. We have like Stockholm Syndrome to Frank Ocean. He just kind of abuses us as fans. Well, I wouldn't say it's abuse. If you need to keep your art from, you know, read, he didn't want to release his art yet. He kept it, fine. But how do you expect consistency from somebody who's a nigga who's never been there? And it's rudely elusive, too. It's mm-hmm. not like he's out giving us makeup palettes like yeah. Rihanna. <laughs> yeah. Which is so nice of her. At least yes. she, she microdoses us <laughs> with Fenty and books full of pictures of her. And fashions. Yes. Like, sh- showing up in Ocean Shows. 8. And then again, I know we're not entitled to any artist's art. And that was very, that was the creepy part when I heard in the video when they're chanting, we want Frank. It was so creepy. Very cult-like. And it just reminds me that we have this very warped notion about artists and art and how we don't own performers. Performers don't owe us anything. Mm -hmm. They could drop one album and never be seen ever again. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's... It was just creepy. I always say I don't trust people who only stand one thing because that's like being in a cult. You just are worshiping one thing, placing it above all else, and like that's not social. That's not Mm -hmm. any fun for anybody else around you. And it's obviously too much of your identity. It's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Stand multiple things. That's right. A constellation of artists. Mm. Orion. (laughs) Belts. (laughs) When we're back, keep it. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It's Keep It. The most vicious segment of the episode. Lewis, what's your Keep It? Well, as you know, I'm a Republican at heart. And so my Keep It this week goes to the lamestream media for not covering what I believe is the biggest story of the week, certainly the biggest story of my year. Um, uh, I went on Twitter the other day, which I consider a safe place for my emotions, as you know. And there's this tweet from the television series Wheel of Fortune. It goes like this. Our taping on Thursday was canceled because host Pat Sajak underwent successful emergency surgery to correct a blocked intestine. He is resting comfortably and looking forward to getting back to work. Taping resumed today as scheduled, and Vanna White has stepped in as host. 37 years Vanna turned your letters. And what did you give her? Nothing. Now Vanna ascends. You gave Vanna shit in 1987 when she wrote her autobiography, Vanna Speaks. You thought it was funny. Vanna doesn't speak. I don't even know what she sounds like. Well, she wrote it anyway. 
The next year, she tried acting, and you gave her shit for that, too. It was called Goddess of Love. She played the Goddess of Love, Venus. Who else was in it? Betsy Palmer. Who's Betsy Palmer? The mother of Jason in the Friday the 13th movies. I don't know who came up with this movie, okay? It just happened. Accept it. And 1997, you made fun of Vanna when she didn't even have to turn the letters anymore. She just started hitting buttons. Well, she hits the buttons really well. Okay, nobody would do it better. Have you hit buttons well recently? I don't think about the way you hit buttons. Vanna does it exceptionally. Now, finally, after Pat's vowels are blocked, he, she, <laughs> no, Vanna finally gets her turn to step up and talk to contestants and be a person. I am thrilled for this. I love Vanna White. Do you know what she loves? Yarn. She sells a lot of it. Also, she deserves way more time on TV, and she's about to get it in at least one episode of Wheel of Fortune. Pat, I hope you recover well. Wish you weren't such a hardcore Republican. Vanna, this is your time. We are behind you. What an amazing name Vanna is. Vanna White. Vanna White. You know, I imagine a time, some time ago, that probably Kim Basinger would play Vanna White in a movie. Oh, right, exactly. Yeah. That level of blonde. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The era of blonde bombshells is really over. Like the Lonnie Anderson. Well, wait till bombshell. It'll come back mm-hmm. after that? Probably. Yeah. Van- Vanna's ascension is in step with bombshell, I've decided. Yeah, the phoenix has risen. Wow. I, I RSTL and <laughs> eat my pants when I heard this news. <laughs> Louis, who do you want as the new Vanna if Vanna comes and takes Pat's spot? Should I just burst into tears right on? Oh, I see. Oh, I, that's a good question. Yeah. Because we do don't want? know who's going to be touching the letterboard. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess just the human side of me wants it to be a queer person of color. Yes. So I guess the answer is Titus Burgess. <laughs> Great. <laughs> what, who Jesse Smollett needs something to do. Oh, that's true. That could be He'd a thing. Take the letters. <laughs> 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 they would have been half that- the alphabet <laughs> is missing today. What happened? They won't let that nigga on Sesame Street. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh, my keep it. My keep it this week is a serious keep it. I'm very, very mad about this. My keep it is to T.I. and him taking his daughter to the gynecologist and insisting, his 18-year-old daughter, and insisting that he knows the information about her hymen. Every time... Consider both sides. I'm sorry. I think you're being unreasonable. <laughs> he, he was recently doing an interview where he divulges information that he does, in fact, go with his daughter to her gynecologist appointments, and he makes sure that her hymen is still intact because that means she is still a virgin. Now, when I heard this immediately, I was like, why didn't these interviewers say anything? Like, hey, shut this down. This is not a conversation we can be having. They have since come out and been like, okay, yeah, we messed up. We do support women's bodies and women's health and the privacy of that. My concern is that means T.I. has coerced his 18-year-old daughter to, you know, remove the confidentiality. Because doctors ask you. They go, hey, do you want your parents to know about this? I know that I didn't want my mom to know that I was getting pregnancy tested 18. So maybe... This woman should not have to divulge this information. Certainly she shouldn't have to divulge this information to her father. And the audacity and the black paternalism of it all. It's too hyped up. It's too much. And honestly, I know for a fact T.I. is not checking his sons. He's not swabbing his sons every night to be like, you're not having sex, right? You're good. This is all good. So it's just misogynistic and disgusting. And I wish T.I. I wish T.I. would stop checking his daughter's hymen. Well, also, by the way, it's not just that this is occurring. It's that he's telling the media about this. Right. Yes, so it's he's like proud clearly, of it. Yeah, clearly uh, 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 yeah, uh, something he thinks is normal and uh, his admirable. His yeah. is coming. You and know, how to ignorance. check your daughter's hymen. Ugh, that's so vile. And it, other stories. So my keep it this week is to the entire book tour for Triggered. Dun, dun, dun. 
by Donald Trump Jr. Which is technically a book. Yes. He has written down words, and I think there's binding, but I don't know that I would still call it a book. (laughs) I don't think Lenny from Of Mice and Men wrote anything, but (gasps) I think... (laughs) (laughs) But somebody ghost wrote this book called Triggered, and he has been on a book tour, not by himself. He's been on a book tour with his girlfriend, Kimberly Guilfoyle, who... Let's just jump into Kimberly Guilfoyle for a minute. I am utterly fascinated by this woman who is formerly the assistant district attorney of San Francisco and then became the first lady of San Francisco when she married Gavin Newsom and then joined Fox News and then had some other marriage and is now dating Don Jr., who is not yet divorced from his wife, who he got engaged to in a mall in New Jersey. Wow. I actually did not know any of that. Yes. Also, the only thing that Gavin Newsom and Donald Trump Jr. have in common is an Uzi pomade. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen the photo of Gavin and Kimberly lying on a rug? Oh, God, It's like a dramatic, soapy, just like goofy photo. I'm going to say, they're... Don Trump Jr.'s hair and Gavin Newsom's hair, it's both like Anne Rice would be like, it's a little bit vampiric, don't you think? Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, they've been on this book tour together. They recently did a talk at UCLA, which was hosted by Charlie Kirk from Turning Point USA, mm-hmm. America's number one organization. Ranked just below the <laughs> e news ticker in terms of <laughs> relevance to the news and factual information. And he was heckled and booed during his speech, but it was not by liberals, as he assumed, because anytime a conservative gets heckled on stage, it has to be liberals who want to shut down free speech, Mm -hmm. right? No, it was actually creepier right-wing fans of his father who are pro-shutting down borders and um, think that Turning Point USA is too nice to Israel, Oh, my God. Brilliant, beautiful people inside and out. Yes. So they um, heckled Don Jr. And he was like, oh, it's the liberals. It's the liberals. He thought it was the liberals, but it wasn't. And they yelled at him because they shut down a Q&A that was supposed to be happening. Mm-hmm. And as the shouting got too loud, Kimberly defended <laughs> Don Jr. With what s- sounds <laughs> almost like prepared quote-unquote, quips. Yes, prepared quips. She shouted, you're not making your parents proud by being rude and disruptive and discourteous. We're happy to answer a question. Respect the people around you so that they can hear. Let me tell you something. I bet you engage and go on online dating because you're impressing no one here to get a date in person. (laughs) What? Which, (laughs) Which words and in what order? What? Like that sentence, none of it was intelligent. Enigmatic, the refrigerator magnets, <laughs> they're in the wrong order. That makes more sense. To yeah, me. the 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 idea that you are booing Don Jr. and his girlfriend because that is you looking for a date, right? The fact that she is then denigrating online dating and relating it to people who boo at speeches. I don't know what's going through this woman's head. She knows somebody who's dating somebody he met online, and she hates him? Yes. It's about knowing one person who had an online dating experience she remembered. That's what that's about. 
And this is, of course, right after their disastrous book tour appearance on The View, where they were screaming at Whoopi Goldberg. And yeah, I believe Joy Behar headbutted him. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when it, Whoopi, Don brought up the fact that, you know, Joy Behar, you wore blackface once. And Whoopi was like, she uh-huh. didn't wear blackface. I'm black. I can tell that's not blackface. And then he was like, well, you said that Rowan Polanski's rape wasn't rape rape. I love the wic- the wiki search he did on there's gaffes from the past. Also, Who needs he, oppo research before you go on The View? When he said the blackface thing, was he talking about Whoopi Goldberg and Ted Danson? That, uh, do you know what I'm talking no, about? No, I think Joy? he was talking about a different incident with Joy in some sort of costume. But he could have brought up blackface with Ted Danson. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. In case anybody doesn't know what that is, there was like some sort of... I think it was a, a roast. A roast, and Ted Danson appeared at it in blackface as he was dating Whoopi Goldberg at the time as part of a joke they were telling. Anyway, it's a very strange, Which, bizarre moment in pop culture history. I mean, just even thinking about the pre-Steenbergen right. era of Ted Danson dating Whoopi Goldberg. No, 1990 was a wild time, guys. <laughs> Everyone dated. Vanilla Ice was in the air. Yes, of course. Uh, anyway, I'm I'm just utterly fascinated by this book tour for a book that I'm sure he did not write, that I'm sure his father has not read, right. that his girlfriend is accompanying him on. Yeah. Why is she on the book tour with him? I have so many questions. Right. She seems to be doing his dirty work for him. You yeah. You know, like doing the screaming that he doesn't want to do. Right. Because even because she's also like a legal analyst you know, because she was the ADA. And I remember when he tweeted last week, too, he was confronted about this on The View. He tweeted out the whistleblower's name. And he justified it because it was already on the Drudge Report. And there was a quote about how she left the room and came back and was like, oh, well, what did you do while Mama Sita was gone? Oh, help me. <sighs> These <laughs> people are... The gross Republican version of Morticia and Gomez. <laughs> and do not do not besmirch their names. Those are very important people to me. Gross Republican versions. Yeah. You know, like actual scary versions. Right, right. The monsters. Right. Yeah, there, there they're you the, are. They're the monsters. <laughs> <laughs> Getting that funeral home check. Anyway, um, I feel like this is my penance for being so into Omarosa's book tour. Right, right. That now I'm suffering through this. That he could write a book that doesn't come with an eight pack of crayons is <laughs> just mind blowing. He's also not a politician. Right, not yet. Well, I don't think that will ever happen. All right, well, your lips to God's ears. All right. Anyway, that's our show this week. Woo, dynamic. Yes. Um, <laughs> thanks again to Hunter Harris for being here and... Join us next week where neither of us will remember art pop either. Keep It is a product of Crooked Media. Caroline Rustin is our producer. It's Caroline like the princess, the one you don't care about. Our editor is Bill Lance and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thanks to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadine Melkonian for filming and editing our video content every week. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. 
New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 